Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. Turn to Leviticus 26 and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Been preaching a series called Healing in the United States of America. We'll read our main text, Leviticus 26, here in just a moment. This will be the fifth and final message in this wonderful series. God wants to heal the United States of America. And uh, so oftentimes, if you're anything like like I am, at times, you know, you, you have a tendency not to think about things in your own backyard or in your own heart. The truth is that nations are made of families. So if God's going to heal the United States of America, and clearly through his word, we understand that healing is the will of God. It is God's will to elevate a nation that would love him and serve him and obey his commands. And it's God's will to take down a nation that does not love him, does not keep his word, and does not exalt him. And so I've been preaching along those lines of healing the United States of America, but please don't miss the application. God wants to heal your family. And in the midst of healing you and healing your family, he will heal a nation one by one, family by family, state by state. God wants to release his power to to bring healing to our great country. God is the one who's made our country great. And so I preached the first message called Rebuild the Foundation. Psalm 11 verse 3 says, If the foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? do. We talked in that first message in the series about how God has built this nation on the Word of God. And you trace the history of our nation, which the founding fathers said that God desired to make our nation like a city on a hill. And how even from the pilgrims it came, and the Mayflower Compact, and and on and on, especially in the Declaration of Independence, and then in the Constitution of the United States of America, which I will tell you that the Constitution is the longest, oldest document running any nation in the history of the world. Not just in in the 243 years, I think if I got that right, 243 years that we've been a nation, the Constitution of the United States of America has shown itself to be a miraculous document. And you say, why is that? Because literally it was founded by the principles in the Word of God. And so the foundation of this country, whether you realize it or not, and if you don't, it's because you're ignorant, but you can study and remove your ignorance. As you study God's word, you study the history of our nation, you'll see that the, that the founding fathers, one-third of their speech was scripture. One-third of their writings was actual scripture, not scriptural, actually quoting God's word. And we get from it things like inalienable rights. Words like providence, words like God, our creator, and over and over and over again. You can't read through the founding fathers and the quotes without seeing God. Every, nearly every one of the signers were Christians, not all of them. I think there are two that weren't. Rebuild the foundation, Isaiah 58, on that same message was that we would be called the rebuilders of the breach, the restorer of the foundations. God is raising up a church within a church. He's raising up people 
that'll rebuild their lives, their families, consequently, the nation, based on God's word, rebuild the foundations. That was the first message. The second message, Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14, just catching you up in a summary. If you'd put that up, Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14, would you do me a favor and dim these lights because I feel like I'm out in the scorching sun and I think it'll probably help us if you could dim them, please. I know it won't be so good for the camera, but you all should have come to church anyway. Unless you're across the miles and then you have a special dispensation of grace. If you're right down the street and you're able to come, you can still make the one o'clock. Put up the scripture, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. This is a text that's been used to bring healing. It was, uh, it was, it was championed by an intercessory prayer movement really back in the 70s and 80s. And it says, if my people, in other words, it's not the pagans, it's not the unbelievers, my people, my people are believers. And of course, it's written to the Jews, God's chosen people, but also to us, grafted in by the Messiah, by Jesus Christ, if my people who are called by my name, is there anybody here called by his name? Amen. That if you're saved, you're born again, that's you. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, some have called that fasting. It certainly is, I believe, the greatest way to humble yourself before the Lord. They will humble themselves. That's not you being humble. That's you humbling yourself. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He's talking to believers. He says, if you turn from your wicked ways and you humble yourself and you pray, then, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their people. Go back to the first part of it. If, everybody say if, it's a condition. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. And in that message, I talked about how God, through the apostle Paul in Corinthians chapter six, rebuked the church in Corinth and told them to turn from their wicked ways. And then he begins to delineate what wicked ways are. And he's really looking at Leviticus and different places, many of them sexual immorality. And he lists all these things. If you're a fornicator, an idolater, you will not inherit the kingdom. If you're, he goes on to list all these things. He basically wipes out the whole church. And then he, I love the verse that he says, and that's what some of you were. I won't ask you to rave your hand wildly if you were you know, stuck in some incredibly horrible sin. But uh, basically, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. So I talked about how God in that second message wants America to turn from wickedness. The third message we talked about, Hezekiah generation, Second Chronicles chapter 29. Hezekiah was a king who turned the nation. And God is raising up Hezekiahs among us. The fourth message I preached on July 4th called Celebrating Freedom, and I want you to put this up, Luke chapter 4, is really God's declaration of independence. And then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and I, I said in the first service, I'll say again, having the power of the Spirit in your life is different than just being born again. There's something different about being baptized in the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost. You can see it different. Somebody said, what's different about your church? I would say that's, that's one aspect that's different. Somebody said, I've never felt God's, I hear this over and over and over, I've never felt God's presence like I feel it at King's. What's up with that? It's just a Spirit-filled church. There's freedom, and we contend for that in our services. Return in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogue, being glorified of all. 
And it was handed him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it is written. And this is God's declaration of independence. We have a declaration of independence signed in the birth of our nation, which we just celebrated on July 4th. God has a declaration of independence, and this is it right here. And here's what, he, here's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Anointed, that means God-empowered. Anointed. God's power was on him to do what? To preach or to declare, to proclaim. Gospel means good news. To preach, to proclaim. God's power was on Jesus to declare, to proclaim, to decree. Good news to the poor. Gospel means good news. Good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to declare liberty. Everybody say liberty. Liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed. This is still true today. And if you've come into this place and you're online today and you are feeling bound, you are struggling with addiction, you're struggling with depression, I'm telling you that God's power has been released in the earth through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection and he's put his hand upon us to boldly declare the good news to you today that you don't have to be brokenhearted anymore. You don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to be addicted anymore. You don't have to suffer under the shackles of the demonic assignment over your life. You can be free. It's God's intention for you to walk in freedom. It's God's plan for you to be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what Jesus has done. He took your sin and he threw it as far as the east is from the west. If you've never heard that before, that's called good news. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Lift your right hand to the Lord and say, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Come on, say it like you mean it. Ready, set, go. Come on, say the next six months are going to be the greatest six months of my life. Because God has anointed me. He's put his power on me. And I'm going to set the captives free. Because I've been set free. By the blood and by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And so I rejoice right now. Go ahead and give them praise in the house of God. Come on. Come on. You can do a little bit better than that. Give them praise today. Ah! Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stand up on your feet. Number five. Final message in the series. Everybody up. All rise. Leviticus chapter 26, reading 13 verses, and I will deliver this next message to you in 20-something minutes with the help of God. You shall not make idols for yourselves. Verse 1, if you're all there, say amen. amen. All right, if you don't have a Bible, there's one on the screen. Here we go. You shall not make idols for yourselves, neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar shall you rear up. For yourselves, nor shall you set it up on an engraved stone in your hand or bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbath and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If, everybody say if, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, everybody say then, then, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. 
Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give you peace in the land. I will, and pardon me, and you shall lie down and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts. And the sword will not go through your land. Verse 7, you will chase your enemies and they shall fall by the sword before you. Verse 8, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. For you will look on, for I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful. Multiply, everybody say multiply. Multiply you, that's the word that we have for 2019, the prophetic word of the Lord, multiply. Multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. Verse 10, you shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you. Verse 12. I will walk among you, what a promise, and be your God, and you shall be my people. Final verse, verse 13. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. Father, move in power as we know you already are. We ask, God, that you would speak now in the moments that remain in the service. I pray, God, that you would take your very finger and write on the fleshly tablets of all of our hearts, Lord, bringing transformation to us individually, transformation to our families, transformation and healing the United States of America, one person, one family at a time. Let the fire of your spirit burn through these words, through these lips of clay. Lord, say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. Move the way you want to move. May we never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Our nation has clearly gotten off track from God's word. Abortion, same-sex marriage, on and on and on. And really the question today as, as we're talking about the healing of the United States of America, the question is to ask yourself, have you gotten off track? Are you off track? Because if you're off track, you know, then the nation can be off. In other words, families. You got the picture. Nations are made of families. And it's so easy to sit in our, our, our lazy boy with our remote control, watching Netflix, asking your wife to bring you your eighth Bud Dumber. Your eighth beer as you drink getting upset about, or maybe you're watching the news, hearing about how they've removed the Ten Commandments from the Capitol Rotunda, and as you sit in your easy chair, get all disgruntled and angry, why you're three sheets to the wind. That's another word for drunk. While you're wasted, you're talking about people who have removed their Ten Commandments when you removed them off of your own heart a long time ago. And if we had a little test of who could actually quote the Ten Commandments, it would be horribly embarrassing. The Ten Commandments show us what God's rule is. Do we need to obey them? Say yes. Do we need to obey them? Yes. Can we? No. But you still try. Jesus came to fulfill all of the law. So you're not saved by the law, but you're still supposed to obey the Ten Commandments. Can you say amen? Yes. Jesus fulfills all of those, but it doesn't mean you don't try. You, you, you endeavor to, and by his power, you can live for God. It takes God to live for God. It's not God's intention that you should white-knuckle it and hope that you can make it and hope that you don't have to sin. 
There are moments of Gethsemane when you're crying out and praying for God's intervention. But mostly God's fire, God's power, zeal. Listen, Christianity is passion-driven. If it's just discipline-driven, that is a dry, lame, difficult walk. Now, there's moments of discipline, and you need to be disciplined. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Or self-discipline, that's the right word there. Self-discipline. So do we need to be disciplined? Yes. But it should be, you fall so in love with Jesus when you see who he is and what he's done for you that you want to read the word, that you want to please him, that you, you want to go to church, you want to love your neighbor, you want to lift up holy hands, you don't want to be an idolater, you don't want to go after things that grieve him and separate you from God. When you fall in love with God, come on, you don't have to convince me to take a day with my wife, she is fine, I can't wait. She thinks I'm fine too, as a matter of fact. She just told me. I just got touched by the Holy Ghost right there. Let's look at this text. You know, and as we look at it, you know, the challenge as the pastor here, the challenge is to get people to live in such a way that they come under the blessing of God. The blessing of God is contingent. I had you say, if... And then I had you say then. Why would I do that? If then clause, it's covenant language. Okay. If you rob the bank, you will go to jail. If you rob the bank, then you'll go to jail. If you love God and you live for him, then these blessings come upon you. Deuteronomy 28 is a legal text, as is this one. There are legal texts in Scripture. Deuteronomy 28, Exodus 23, Joshua 24. These are all legal texts. So they, they're... The, uh, it, the law is laid down, and then it's confirmed at the end with blessings and curses. Blessings for those who obey, curses for those who don't. And this is an ancient way of uh, writing, and uh, you might not have heard of some of these cultures that are no more. The Romanu, Lupud Ishtar, Hammurabi. These are, these, all these cultures had laws that are followed by blessings and curses at the end. The difference with the one that you're reading today and the, the most accurate historical book of all time, and if you don't believe that, it's only because you're also ignorant. And if you'll just study, like all those who diligently, some people just want to stay ignorant because then you can stay in your sin. See, because if it's really God's word, then actually you got to change some stuff. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. Go ahead, tell your neighbor. So if you, if you really seek to know whether it's God's word or not, you will come to find out that it actually is God's word. And then you have a responsibility, as do I. So this text is the exact same thing as these, the Hammurabi Code or, um, in Babylon. They found the cornerstones of the city of Babylon. Did you know that? And on those cornerstones are curses and blessings. Curses for those who move the boundary stones, blessings for those who honor them. This, the difference with this is this is God's word, the inspired by God. So here in Leviticus, same thing, but it's God who inspired it. He's speaking to his people, and his obedience in two areas are emphasized, and I'll try to hurry as we're all melting. The two commandments, and these are found in Exodus 20. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. And observe my Sabbath and have reverence for my sanctuary. Have no idols before him and honor his, honor his Sabbath and honor his sanctuary. God's speaking to us very, very plainly this morning. He said, well, pastor, we don't bow down. I didn't bow down to some, you know, some golden idol. 
you know, like they do in India. No, maybe, maybe you didn't. I mean, we don't see a whole lot of that in America. But you might have bowed down to the almighty dollar. It's not almighty either. You might have bowed down. Maybe you, maybe you worked so hard to get money, so you destroyed your marriage, destroyed your family. Or maybe you're bowing down to pornography. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just saying. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Maybe, maybe you've got other idol. Really, the number one idol in our, in our lives, the number one idol in America, some would say mammon, but I would say the number one idol is self. I'm convinced there's times in our lives when we go through trouble, and the trouble's a gift from God. So what do you mean by that? We've learned uh, by God's grace when we go through trouble in the Bracken home, when, things, when I don't see the promises being fully released, I'm taking a look. Like if things feel held up or somebody turned off the water faucet of God's blessing, in other words, I don't see the full flow of God's blessing in my life somewhere, then I'm taking a look. Have I done something wrong? Did I, oh, I thought you were going to help me preach for a second. Did I do something wrong? Did I, no, no, I know, we're good. Okay, praise God, amen. <laughs> I mean in my life. In your life, if things are jacked up, why don't you look? There's a principle in leadership called the window and the mirror. Does anybody know what that is? In leadership, when things are amazing and things are just, just going amazingly, you look out the window and look at all the people that are helping you do it and just acknowledge this great team that God's given you to make great things happen. And when they're lame and when it's crashed and burned, look in the mirror, Bubba. Just take a good look in the mirror and take a look at your own life. So if you're not seeing the full blessings of God in your life, it's a good time to take a look. Just Bust out that compact. Something's wrong. Idolatry is a snare of present-day America. And when you get into trouble, let that draw you near to Jesus. If things aren't working out the way they are, don't, don't, don't ever use your circumstances to disprove God's word. That is so stinking good right there. Don't you look at the circumstances. You look at the circumstances of God's blessing and then look at your life and if they ain't lining up, the word of God's not wrong. You're the one that has the issue and then you take a look and you go, Lord, what, what is it with me? And for me, you know, the Lord will speak to me about how I need to be kinder maybe or, or you know, it's when he spoke to me to do something and I delayed for a little, you know, delay is disobedience. You know that when he speaks to you to do something and you wait, that's the same thing as not doing it. I mean, get to doing it and repent. When you go through difficulty, examine your life. You know, Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler. This story is told in Matthew 19, Mark 10. He's a prominent guy, and he comes, he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says this. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. And he's basically telling the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the ruler says, but I've done all of those things since youth. Like, wow, what a stud. And then Jesus straight snipers him. He says, yeah, except one thing. Give all your money to the poor. And he's like, oh, snap. I believe this guy was called to be a disciple. When Jesus says, come follow me, those were only the words to the disciples. If you go, look, come follow me. He said that to all of the disciples. He said that to this guy. And he didn't come follow him because he walked away because he had great riches. Some, some scholars say that it, there's record of him coming and serving the Lord, but we don't know. He had an idol. It's called an idol of wealth, an idol of money. Richard Stearns, 
wrote a book, and I would encourage all of you to read it, The Hole in Our Gospel. He was the president of the Lennox Corporation, CEO, and very prosperous, a believer. And God spoke to him through somebody to be the, the president of, a, of an organization to take over the presidency of World, I think it's called World Vision is what it is. It's still it's a great ministry today. But he didn't want to do it. In fact, he's like, no, that's not, I'm not doing that because to do that would be to like let go of this great job, my great house, all the stuff I have. And the Lord said, yeah, you have a problem. You worship yourself because I'm calling you to do it. The whole in our gospel, in essence, is basically self. Because there's many people that are not willing to sacrifice, not willing to do what God's called them to do. And as a result, you have a, a self-serving Christianity. That's like an oxymoron, Christianity, Christ-like. That means crucifixion, resurrection. You call yourself a Christian, but you're catering to yourself all the time. I got news for you. Well, let's just worship for a second. Hallelujah. You okay, Brother Toby? Your hair looks amazing. Let's go. All right. Is consistent worship of God important? Yeah, it's not only important. If you want all of these blessings, then you better be consistently worshiping him. And I would also say that you have to find yourself in the house of the Lord. I mean, there's scriptures like, as any of you sick among you, let them call upon the elders of the church, right? How many of you know that scripture? It's a promise of healing. Let them call upon the elders of the church. They'll anoint with oil. The prayer of faith will save that sick person. The Lord will heal them and raise them up. How do you call on an elder that you don't have? I think consistent worship's important one day in seven. And, and for me, that's Sunday. You know, when I was looking for a job as a young man and I was serving in our church before I was a pastor, I just told them, every job I went to, I said, yep, I can work pretty much every day of the week except Sunday. And Wednesday night I can't work. And I can't work Thursday night. And so that was my fleece before them. So in other words, if I have to work Sunday and I have to work Wednesday night and I have to work Thursday, what are those days? Well, Sunday I'm going to church all day. Wednesday night I'm going to Holy Ghost Church. I go to the midweek service. And Thursday I lead a life group. So I said, I'm, I'm, I have those, those days are taken, but I can work any other time. Oh, well, those are the days that actually the job's open for. Well, that would be God's indication to me. That's not my job. And do you know that I can say this, and it sounds arrogant, but really it is. It's all just blag, bragging on the blessing of God. I was constantly elevated at every single job I had, constantly moved up, constantly promoted, constant. And it's not because there's something great about me. It's the blessing of God. And if you'll just love God and you'll, listen, honor Sunday as the day of the Lord. You say, well, I can't. Well, listen, I understand. Sometimes there's Sunday. Then get, make it to Sunday night. But have one in seven. If you work seven days a week, it has been proven you will get sicker and not make as much money as somebody who works six days and honors God. There was a time in America when we had blue laws. How many of you remember what that was? You're going to be like, I don't remember anything. How much long are you preaching? <laughs> blue what? I don't know what's he saying. Blue something. I'm going to turn blue. So stinking hot in here. Well, it's hotter than hell, honey. I'm just telling you right now. Praise God you're here to hear this word to help you. Come on. America can be healed. The healing of America starts with you. I'm almost done. Just a few more minutes. If you obey God's word, then he gives promises. And these are some of the promises that he gives. There's three times this, this I will give. It's in the Strong's Concordance, H5414, for all of you scholars. I will give. It's in verse 4, verse 6, and verse 11. And it's conditional. So if you do this, if you'll obey me, then all of these blessings come. Now, 
from 14 following are all of the curses. I didn't read those because some of you guys would be freaked out. We'd read them. You'd be like, oh, my gosh, that sounds just like my cousin. I think my cousin's on America. You'd be like, oh, my, I, I think I have that. I said, the itch? The itch? I thought that was itchy. I think about it. They got mildew. There's mildew in the closet. Does that mean any of the curses? There's mildew. But there is a thing called blessing and cursing. I will give. Everybody say, I will give. I'll give you rain and good harvest in the, in the NIV. And if you don't have an understanding of agrarian society, if it didn't rain, you were hosed. <laughs> in big trouble. I'm not sure what hosed means. Ask uh, Brother Toby after service. You're in deep kimchi. You're in trouble. If it didn't rain, you have no harvest, no harvest, no food, no food, no life. So you're totally dependent on God to rain at the right time. If it rained at the wrong time, you're in trouble. If it rained too much, you're flooded. I'll give you rain. If it didn't rain, you didn't eat. God can bless you right where you are today in the middle of wherever financial situation you're in. God can make it rain. Come on, he's a rainmaker. Why? If, listen, exp- what you expect is what you'll receive. And if you don't expect, listen, you need to speak blessings. That's why I tried to get you to say this. I am blessed. I will multiply. Say it. I am blessed. I will. Mu- if you don't learn to speak blessing out of your mouth, come on, your tongue has the power of life and death. But if you don't learn to speak blessing and all you are is like murmuring and complaining, come on, Paul wrote to the Corinthians as well. They released a destroying spirit. The destroyer came because they grumbled and they murmured. Some of you need to wash your mouth out with soaps. Need to start speaking life. Come on, God before me. Who can be? I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when they come and when they go. Is there anybody else that's blessed? You need to start saying it. Listen, there's an aspect of the, the renewing of your mind. They found that your mind can get, has these grooves of memories. And, and there's a principle for all of you men, especially who are visual, with your wives. Let your wife's face be etched. Let her body be etched in your mind. I'm telling you, when you wake up in the middle of the night, roll over and just look at your wife and, 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 and give thanks. Let it be etched in your mind. If you have a constant way of, of, of etching other things in your mind, you're going to be scrambled. When you have a constant defeatist mentality, oh, it's not going to work. Murphy's Law, well, you know, we're prob- it's probably not going to work. Yeah, for you, it's probably not going to I mean, you got more faith that the thing's not going to start than it is. Start speaking life. Start declaring, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm multiplying God before me. Come on, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm the lender. Okay, you might be in debt right now. Start learning how to take care of your finances. Start living within your means. Sell off some stuff. Reduce, you know, believe for a better job. Tithe, give, learn how to handle your finances. Get rid, cut your credit card. Some of you have, you know, just, you just get healing through swiping. You don't get real healing that way. Learn how to handle your finances. Learn how to handle your emotions. Live within your means. And then when God sees that you're faithful in the little things, he'll begin to expand you and expand you and expand you. Can you say, I'm blessed? blessed. I'll give you rain. You start speaking these things. I'll give you peace, number two. I'll give you peace. 
Yeah, that's an amazing thing. I don't know if you've never not had no peace. That is torture. Listen, all of these things are fulfilled in Christ. Understand that. I'll give you peace. I'll set my, oh my goodness. Go to verse 11 in the NIV. I will put my dwelling place among you. And I will not abhor you. Next verse. I'm not in a trance. I'm waiting for verse 12. I will, thank you. I will walk walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I mean, think about this. Think about if you obey God, then his presence will come and flood your home and flood your heart. I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing more precious to me than his presence. Not one thing. Not one thing. I was talking to um, the Andersons as we're in process of preparing to, uh, they're preparing to go about a month's time to go to California. And I was telling them, I don't do anything without peace. If I don't have peace, I don't care how good it is, how much money it might be, it's irrelevant. If I don't have peace, I will not do it. It's one of the main ways that God leads us. It's one of the main ways that God leads this church. It's one of the main ways that God leads me and my family. And he's blessing me. And, and it's because I've not, I don't violate. It's not that I, I don't. I try not to. And when I do, all of a sudden, everything's wrong. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I step out of bounds. I'm like, oh, that's not right. Lord, Lord. He's like, yeah, I told you. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, I repent. And then you get back in, get back, get back in line. Come on, the peace of God. It's a promise. It's peace. And his, and his presence, his presence. If you don't have God's presence in your life, you don't have anything. I can always tell when people are worshiping and loving God, leadership, or go to someone's home or visit them. I was telling Wally, I was bragging on them, and I went to visit them the other day. I walked into a cloud. What do you mean? Well, that's a reference to at the, at the dedication of the temple, the cloud of the presence of the Lord filled the temple so much so that they couldn't stand to minister. The priest couldn't stand anymore. When I walked into Wally's house, he knew I was coming. I came to drop something off. I went there. He was there with his wife. I walked in. Oh, come on in, Pastor. I walked in. I was like, immediately walked into like a cloud of God's blessing. And, and I started laughing. And he's talking to me. I said, now, hold on a second. I said, man, God's here. He's like, I know. And we're like, oh, we just thanked God and started worshiping. Do you know that's normal? That should be normal Christianity that God's power rests in your, on your car, in your home, that you walk with him. Oh, well, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Oh, the joy. As we tarry there, no other sever known. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Oh, the joy we share as we tarry. No other sever no. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. One of the things I love running into those who are a part of cults is they have no presence. There's no presence and no power. Amazing. You have God's presence dwelling in your home, dwelling in your business if you live for Him. 
Live for him. Come under the blessing of God. Can you say amen? amen? Our choice, right in your notes, our choice stops the curse. And if we failed, as I said, I've failed plenty. But I've learned to repent. I'm so glad for God. He's had me on a very short chain. I think it's a gift. I learned long ago my kids have the same anointing. What do you mean? If you mess up, you're going to get caught very quickly. You'll get busted. It's a gift. Come on, Hannah, give me an amen. It's a gift. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so it's kind of like I step out. It's like, oh, 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 Lord. <laughs> Listen, if you have stuff in your life that's causing you pain, if you see the curse in your life. Listen, I think it's a good thing. Some of you need to go home, take Deuteronomy 28, go read all the curses, see if, it, see if you got anything operating there. Hello? Take a look. Take a look at all the curses. We didn't read them because I said some of you will freak out about the mildew that's in the closet or something. I mean, go, go look at all the curses that follow from Deuteronomy, for, from, from Leviticus, pardon me, 26, 14 and following. And just take a look at your life. And if you see evidence of a curse, rebuke that thing, repent, and ask God to show you where is this coming in. I wrestled in, in elementary school, middle school, high school, and a little bit in college. And we learned, there's a, you've got certain strengths and weaknesses, and on certain signature moves at work to help to win, and certain, certain places in my in my arsenal of being a wrestler were weak. You constantly tried to strengthen those weak places so you didn't lose. Come on, some of you cave in. You cave into money. You cave into lust. You cave into anger. And you just think that you could do that day in, day out and expect the blessing of God. I'm telling you right now, that's not how that works. Now you might not have heard that somewhere else, but uh, welcome to Kings. I'm going to tell you, if you're offended and you never come back, that's between you and Jesus. But I'm going to say it. You know why? Because I'm responsible to tell you. And I'm responsible to declare the entire counsel of the Word of God, which I endeavor and pray that I can do, and I try to put sugar on it, and I try to help you. But some of you are going through stuff you don't need to go through. You need to repent and live right for God. Love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and watch the blessing of God come upon you. The blessing of God is contingent. It doesn't just happen because you just said, Oh, Jesus. He says, Oh, Jesus. That's a good place to start. You call on him. It's your choice that stops the curse. And if you failed, repent. All of these blessings are fulfilled in Christ. As I'm closing, uh, Ezekiel 34, 36, the prophet details the promises found in Leviticus 26. And Ezekiel talks about this good shepherd. John 10, Jesus said in verse 1, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own his sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks and the flock scatters. He's a good shepherd and he reaches to you in this extremely hot church through my voice to tell you, come unto me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He 
healing of the United States of America starts in your heart today, starts in mine, as we examine, not in a legalistic way, as we examine our hearts having a revelation that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were lost and we were hurting and we were broken. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than a monkey wearing a suit makes him a part of the human race. You need to repent, receive the Lord Jesus. You need to come to him and believe that he died in your place. You deserve death. So do I. That's why Jesus died for you. He died for me. For God so loved the world, John 3 and 16, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish. That means there's a perishing if you don't believe on him. And biblical believing doesn't mean believing he exists. It means receiving and repenting of your shortcomings and your failures and your sin. To as many as believed on him, he gave them the right, exousia, authority. He gave them the authority to become children of God. Isn't everybody a child of God? No, not everybody's a child of God. Only those who've really repented and received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is the true gospel. Every head bowed, every eye closed before we receive communion. If you're not right with God, get right with him today. You want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, either in a, in, in a first-time commitment or in a recommitment. You've done that before, but you know you're not living for him all across this place, those online. Another three minutes and we'll be done. Actually, including communion is probably five, all right? Almost done. Thank you for enduring the heat. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You want to give Jesus, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Or you want to make a recommitment because you drifted. You say, that's me, Pastor. On the count of three. Slip your hand up. One. You say, that's me. Two. Three. Do it right now. God bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you all the way in the back. Thank you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Lift your hand high. You want to make heaven your home? You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Pray this prayer with me right where you are. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you fill and touch. You break every chain, every bondage, every curse. Release your blessing upon these. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you lead us, Brother Toby, in some songs about the blood as communion is being served? It's an open communion. It's grape juice and a cracker. And uh, as soon as everyone's served together, we will then receive communion. Ushers, would you come? Would you all stand with us all across this place? And if you could fan just a little bit harder, it might reach me up here. Begin to serve, gentlemen. Thank you. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? 
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And likewise manner, he took the cup and then he blessed it. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood which is shed for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So God, we stand before you like on a sea of glass by faith before your very throne here in your presence. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would search our hearts now and reveal to us any place that's out of accord with your word, that we would repent. Forgive us for where we've fallen short, wrong thoughts, attitudes, or motives. Wash us and cleanse us. We remember that you were crucified and you rose again to take the sins, our sins, and throw them as far as the east is from the west and put them in the sea of forgetfulness. And we receive that now. And we remember and declare that it's not only our sins, but sickness and disease, infirmity. You died and rose again for it. Sickness and disease are taken care of in the atonement, in the kingdom. There's healing. So I pray for any, of the, any that are sick or hurting, broken. Lord, you'd release healing now. And thirdly, we declare, we proclaim your eminent soon return. So we receive your forgiveness, we receive your healing, and we declare Maranatha. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. Let this be a great week where you've allowed God's power to be put on display through your life. Amen. Now, to be true to the the promise I gave my beloved sisters from Ireland. Here is my Irish joke for you before we close. There once was a lady in Ireland. <laughs> and it was right at the turn when they had electricity and 
she asked, you know, having some means, her husband had passed, to have electricity brought out to her house all the way out by the sea. And so they came and they installed it, you know. And about a month's time goes by and they noticed back at the electric company that there is very little usage. So they sent out the lad to go check. So he showed up at the house and they knocked on the door. And she answered the door and says, oh, good day to you. She says, good day, ma'am. I'm from the electric company. I've noticed that you haven't been using any electric. She says, oh, no, I use it every night. She says, well, there's not much on your bill, not much usage. She says, no, I use it every night. I turn it on so I can light my lantern. <laughs> the moral of the story is don't just use the Holy Spirit a little bit. Let him flow through you with power. Can you say amen? amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance towards you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.